0: Can you hear me through the sound? Yep, I can hear myself. Cool. All right, so I don't have to tell my tired joke that I tell every time I get up here. I am not Pastor Alex because he's here today. And so clearly I'm not Alex Shipman. Uh, So, man, it's wonderful to see all of you all's faces today on this rainy day uh, because you guys could have stayed home and could have stayed cozy in bed because it's rainy and cold. And those are just like the worst conditions. If you so, uh, just a, This is an aside. We're going to get to the text. But I want to kind of tell you about myself a little bit. I don't like to drive in the rain. Even more, I don't like to drive in the rain while it's dark. And then even more than that, I don't like to drive in the rain while it's dark and while it's cold. And I'm probably going to be doing that for the rest of the week. So y'all pray for it, brother. As I drive back and forth from Birmingham, Alabama, to uh, from Madison to Birmingham, Alabama, to go to seminary. Anyway, uh, let's go to the Lord in a short word of prayer before we start digging into our text today. Father in heaven, we thank you for another opportunity to gather with other believers to exalt and praise. Worship your name because you are the only one that is worthy of the worship on today. God, speak through me as I prepare to share this text with your people. i the move Amos out of the way. Use me as a vessel by the power of the Spirit to share truth, to call men and women and children as well, to faith and repentance in you. It is in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit that I do pray. Amen. My brothers and sisters, are you willing to obey God even to your own disadvantage? I want to ask that question again, my brothers and sisters look right at me so you can see how serious I am about this. My brothers and sisters, are you willing to obey God, even to your own disadvantage? I want to share a story with you. In the 1930s, the National Socialist Party became the official governing body in Germany. The Nazi party, led by Adolf Hitler, plunged Germany into the depths of human depravity. During this moment in history, German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer traveled to the United States and witnessed also the plight of African Americans in America during Jim Crow. And after witnessing firsthand the atrocities suffered by African-Americans during that period of time, and also after witnessing their spirit-filled and their spirit-led resilience despite their oppression, Bonhoeffer determined that he could not sit idly by as the Nazi regime carried out atrocities against Jewish people and also against other Germans as well. Subsequently, Bonhoeffer returned to Germany under under the Nazi regime, despite opportunities to remain in the United States safe, sound, and comfortable, and privileged. In Germany, Bonhoeffer began to speak out and to take action as well against Adolf Hitler and the National Socialist Party, understanding the likely consequences of his actions. And because of his advocacy and because of his activism, Bonhoeffer was eventually arrested. He was thrown in prison and he was executed because he was willing to obey God. Even to his own disadvantage, my brothers and sisters, Are you willing to obey God even to your own disadvantage? Now, none of us may ever be arrested for our faith. None of us are Dietrich Bonhoeffer. None of us may be called uh, to martyrdom for our faith. But the question still remains. Would you be willing to obey God even if it was at your own disadvantage. My brothers and sisters, today's sermon it won't be my typical exposition. I know I, I tend to be an a information-heavy expositor of God's Word. But don't worry. My sermon is drawn directly from the text. My sermon will be biblically faithful, And the gospel will be proclaimed and I will call us all to faith and repentance in light of the truth of this text. But my brothers and sisters, I want us to see ourselves in this text today. I want us to embed ourselves into the narrative of the story that we see here. I want us to see ourselves in the story of these diaspora Jews that James is writing to. I want us to feel the weight of what James is commanding his brothers and sisters, his kinsmen in the flesh, what he's commanding them to do. I want you to embed yourself into this story, into the first century by recognizing the parallels of their context to our current context. My brothers and sisters, James has spent most of the first chapter laying the foundation for what he will talk about for the rest of this letter. But in chapter two, James begins to move into the practical application of what he has built in chapter one. And if you've been with me as I've been Making my way through the book of James, you know something about James, and you know that James is very direct. James doesn't mince his words. He doesn't pull his punches, and chapter 2 continues the same. James goes right to work in chapter 2. He begins chapter 2 by calling out the practice of partiality. What James is commanding here is deeply rooted in the law of Moses. What he writes is supposed to call our attention immediately to Leviticus chapter 19. Levit- Leviticus 19:15 says, you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. Now, family, beloved, my my brothers and sisters, I want you to see that what James is commanding here is not easy. It is not a small task, and I really want us to feel the weight of what he's commanding. He is asking this persecuted group of people. This oppressed group of people to obey God, even to their own disadvantage. He is calling them to do something that would have been completely counterintuitive. Now, I'm sure what they were doing might have seemed to them to be a good idea. And at first glance, it seems practical. It seems beneficial to give wealthy people special treatment. You see, during this period of time, patronage would have been popular. And for the people in this text who have been dispelled throughout the known world and they have been dispelled from their homeland, patronage would have definitely been beneficial for them. You know, they they must have thought that being partial to the rich will get me out of poverty. Being partial to the rich will alleviate my oppression. Being partial to the rich will get me notoriety. I want you to see that their situation was desperate and they were taking desperate measures to relieve themselves and to alleviate themselves of poverty and of oppression. I want you to see how much of a desperate situation they must have been in when they gave honor and when they were partial to the very people who were oppressing them. That had to have been a crazy situation. It makes no sense to give honor and to be partial to the people, to the very group of people that are oppressing you. You have to be in a place of deep desperation, But this is, in fact, what they were doing. You see, because they had it twisted. They were failing to see how God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. They were failing to see God as their provision. You see, God has a knack for using messed up, jacked up, no good people and no good situations For our good and for his glory. Give you a few examples. Abraham was a liar. Noah was an alcoholic. Moses couldn't speak that well. King David was an adulterer and he was a murderer. King Solomon went after other gods. Peter was a violent zealot. Paul was a persecutor of Christians. And Amos, not the prophet in the Old Testament, but this Amos right here was a skeptic. All of us, everyone sitting in this room are messed up and jacked up in our own way. But God chose us all before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. You see, we want to put God in a box. We like to use our systematic theologies. We like to use our formulas to try to figure God out. But the word of God tells us that his ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. and His ways are beyond us. But the people in our text, they even had it more twisted than this. You see, James says in verse four that their actions were not only naive, but their actions were evil. He says also in verse nine that by showing partiality to the rich, they were also in sin. So my question again, my brothers and sisters, are you willing to obey God? even to your own disadvantage. Obeying God for the diaspora Jews meant that they would likely suffer more oppression. It likely meant that they would continue to be persecuted in court. And my brothers and sisters, I wonder what it would mean for us. What would it mean for you and I to obey God? even to our own disadvantage. My brothers and sisters, I I truly believe that God is calling some of us to radically reorient the way that we are living, even right now. And I believe that God wants to work in in our lives in miraculous and supernatural ways. But I believe that sometimes we get too scared to go against the status quo what would it mean for us in our lives to push back against the status quo? Forget what the Democrats and the Republicans have to say about anything. Forget what the theological liberals have to say. Forget what the theological legalists have to say. Because my brothers and sisters, we are resident aliens in this world. This world Is not our home. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. And James encourages us to speak and to act as those who that is true about, as those who that is true about. He says, speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty, the liberating, freeing power and the truth of the gospel. There is no law, there is no statute of man, there is no status quo that we can adhere to that we can use to live up to God's righteous standard. It is only the law of liberty, it is only the gospel that we can take comfort in. My brothers and sisters, I'm thankful that our triune God has not left us to live up to this standard on our own. But in fact, he has done it for us. He is the great picture of showing no partiality. Ephesians 1 verses 3 through 14. Yes, I'm going to read it all. Demonstrates how the triune God saved his people, his children, without showing partiality. Ephesians 3 through 14 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, before you made any decision on your own, before you were even created and before you were even formed, God chose you, even before the foundation of the world, my brothers and sisters, That's no partiality. You had nothing to do with it. He chose you even before you knew yourself. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. All three persons of the Trinity working before the foundation of the world to secure your righteousness, to secure your place in Christ as a child of Christ working to sustain you and keep you as you walk in a broken world and giving you a seal of guarantee that you can look forward to and say, I know that I know that I know without any shadow of a doubt that I am saved and that I am loved. Our Lord Jesus was obedient to the Father, even to his own disadvantage. Even if Jesus had come as royalty, it would have still been like poverty compared to what he had experienced in eternity past. He was willing to give that up for us. If Christ is our example and if his spirit lives within us, we must ask the spirit to give us the heart to be able to obey God, even if it means that we become disadvantaged. Even if it means that we don't fit in. Even if it means that we are ostracized. Even if it means that we are marginalized. Pastor Alex, in our personal conversations, often talks about Christians living in what he calls the weird middle. And what he means by that is that we can never be conservative enough for the conservatives. We can never be progressive enough for the progressives. I might never be able to be black enough for my black friends. I might not ever be able to assimilate into white culture. But in this weird middle that we live in. God is with us. God is there and he fights for us. Even when we feel oppressed, even when we feel marginalized, even when decisions in the government, when policies don't go our way. Even when the circles that we commonly run in, even when we have to push back against them, God fights for us. So as I bring this to a close, I want you to look at your neighbor on your left and say, neighbor, don't get it twisted. And now I want you to look at the neighbor on the other side because they didn't appreciate the way that you said it to them. I don't want you to say, neighbor. Neighbor. Oh neighbor. Oh neighbor. Yeah, put some gusto with it. Some some vibrance and vitality. Say, don't get it twisted. Get it twisted. Amen. Let's pray. Father, help us to see. that your word is true. Help us to see that even in times of weakness, that you use the, 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 the small things, the minute things, the things that we would never expect you to use. You use those things. For our good and for your glory. Help us to see. How you're using. The small. The small things. Help us to not get it twisted. Help us to see. That your word is true. and That you fight for us in the weird middle. when we can never be ritzy enough for the rich, and when we can never be assimilated into the things of other cultures, help us to see that you are right there with us as we walk the straight and narrow path. Give us the power to do that by the power of your spirit. Lord, we thank you, we love you, and we trust you. It's in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that I do pray. Amen.